Hello, my neighbor Harriet. How are you? Hi, Trey. I'm really good, thanks. How are you? Good. It's been a long time since we recorded one of these molecular experiences. It has. Probably over a year now. Yeah, it Mm. has. People seem to like our other ones. They find you as the the perfect co-host and foil (laughs) to ask me all the questions that... You mean I'm boring? No. (laughs) Conservative. (laughs) No. It means that I'm a bit of yang and you're a bit of yin. Right. And together we... Love that. We form the perfect team to describe what these molecules do. And I have yet to convince you on a single one. No. It's not really a persuasive podcast. It's just to describe my experiences and kind of educate people a little bit to see if they might want to do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not easily swayed, but sure, yeah. give it a shot. Now, have you heard of Ibogaine before? I have not. No. No. Nope. Okay. Well, I'm going to be talking about my Ibogaine ceremony I had in San Pancho, Mexico. Wow. Yes. When, and, was, when was this? Is oh. This a recent occurrence? Or? It was about two months ago. Oh, okay. Fresh. It's fresh and quite the life-changing... That's too dramatic. It's too bombastic. <laughs> Aren't they all life-changing? <laughs> a life-affirming, uh, course-correction kind of thing. Right. Man, it was incredible. And maybe by the end of this, you will also want to go to Mexico and lay in the fetal position for three days and weep, relive your entire childhood from age four onward. (laughs) It's possible. (laughs) Anything's possible. That voice you hear is my friend and neighbor across the street here in New Zealand, Harriet. Uh, She also happens to be an awesome voice actress. and I thought she would be a fun person to tell this story to. Okay, let me give a little bit of background information. So, to me, there are three big Mount Everest of psychedelics. There's ayahuasca. There is, which we recorded another episode on, Mm -hmm. called Ayahuasca and Hitler. You came up with that name. (laughs) Um, I did not. No, I did not. (laughs) You're absolved (laughs) of all sins. Uh, And then the second one, we haven't recorded yet, but that is imbibing the crystallized poison of the Sonoran Desert Toad in the form of 5-MeO-DMT, which is a full death experience. I think, did we not do that one? Did we? I think we did. We've done two, and that was one of them. I can't remember. Too many drugs. I can't remember. We might have done that one. I'll look it up. I think we've done that one. Maybe. Anyway, Uh, they're all blurring together. (laughs) Well, we did one about, I know we did one about Combo, which is the Amazonian Uh, uh, tree frog. Tree frog. Which is like a poison you put into your arm. Yes, no, it was that one. That one. That one. Yes. Five yep. maybe a DMT. Frogs and toads. I'm just getting <laughs> interchangeable here. It's all right. Uh, and then, so the third Mount Everest is Ibogaine, which is not very popular among psychonauts, which is sort of the term people use if they like to experiment spiritually with various psychedelics. Right. And I think it's not very popular because, like, Gwyneth Paltrow didn't do it. It's not on Goop. <laughs> and Ayahuasca has this... I make zi- a habit of doing the opposite of what Gwyneth Paltrow does. <laughs> maybe I'll do this one. <laughs> oh, maybe so. And, um, yeah, and Ayahuasca is, like, all the rage, all part of the zeitgeist. There's, like, a thousand Ayahuasca ceremonies every day somewhere in the world. But Ibogaine is much more rarely used and sought out. Um, for some reason, but I think it's going to become more popular over time. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So, Ibogaine comes from a, 
plant, like a bush in Gabon, Africa. Mm-hmm. And they basically kind of scrape off the bark and grind it down. And it provides quite the mystical experience, although it's quite a bit different from ayahuasca, which I kind of thought it would be like, but it's not. Anyway, I'll go through step-by-step here and tell you about my experience and ask any question you want (laughs) along the way. Okay. Okay. This is the official unofficial warning. I am not promoting the use of any of the molecules I discuss in each episode of the pod. Many of these, though not all, are illegal depending upon where you are. I may make specific references in certain episodes, but this is a boilerplate official warning. Additionally, should you decide to try anything, it's always smart to talk to your doctor. Doctors have heard everything. Believe me, don't be shy. They'll tell you basically the same thing I'm telling you. Many of these are illegal. It drives these substances underground where unscrupulous people may cut or mix drugs with very dangerous toxins. Know your sources, be responsible, have a plan, talk to your doctor, be smart. Again, I am not endorsing any of this, but I thought it best to supply this kind of messaging on the pod. Now, back to the story. Okay, so I'm over in the Americas for about three months. You know, I I left our home here in New Zealand. And sailed Uh, to the Americas. (laughs) And sailed to the Americas. (laughs) And I was gone for probably three months. I went to go see uh, Tina and the girls to stay with them for about four weeks. That was great. And I went to Burning Man. and then down, Just for a change? Just to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> I like to keep myself uncomfortable. Actually, that's the 11th year in a row that I've been. Oh. And man, that was quite the Just experience. Just on a side, yeah. a side note here, is, has it changed at all? Is every year different or do you feel like it's kind of pretty much the same every time? You... There's definitely thematic things that happen to you every year that kind of remain the same right right? it's you know the art is always different the people are always different the mood is always slightly different but all of them at least for me have this sort of joseph campbell-esque hero's quest hero of a thousand faces where you go off into the desert and you find yourself you know rumi's the treasure you seek is in the cave you fear (laughs) So there's a com- there's a common purpose. Yeah, really. there's always various uh, catharsi. Is that the plural of catharsis? Um, catharsis. Uh, catharsis. Yeah, know. that sounds better. That sounds likely. God. You're so polysyllabic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, anyway, we digress. So then I went down to the Bahamas to hang out with some friends, and I was at a dinner party. And the woman that was running the dinner party, she's one of these ladies that just knows how to seek people by people they'll get along with. And I was sat by a woman named Claire Wilkins, who's, I don't know, roughly my age. I'm 51. She's probably young. I'm not sure. You're not supposed to talk about women. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, no. Um, However, what does matter is that she had been running an Ibogaine clinic in Mexico for 19 years. And I've always been fascinated by Ibogaine. It's, like I said, it's not very commonly done, and there's not a lot of opportunities to do it. Um, It's illegal in the U.S. for no reason, which 
you'll hear about soon. But it's legal in Canada and Mexico and pretty much all over Europe. It's even legal here in New Zealand. Right. Yeah. Interesting. It's really just a plant, and it's not addictive at all. It's the kind of thing that you might just do once in a lifetime. So, But for some reason, it gets caught up in the drug schedule with like cocaine and heroin and all that jazz. Right. Um, and so I talked to her all about it. I had lots of questions. And of course, she has an amazing amount of experience. And I kind of felt like it was the universe kind of calling me to go do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that, I went to New York for a rather wild party. And then I just booked a ticket down to uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And then I took a little car, a little Uber, all the way to San Pancho, which is an hour away. And it's a cute little Mexican seaside town. You know, it's one or two busy streets. And, you know, there's beachside cafes where everyone's having Corona and eating nachos and kids playing on the beach. It's idyllic. It was beautiful. Yeah. Man, I love Mexico. I could totally live there. It was super cheap. The food. Delicious. Mexican food is great. There they just call it food. Yeah. <laughs> they don't they don't pull an old El Paso yeah. kit off the shelf. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I rented a cute little Airbnb, uh, kind of right by the beach. Because it's not necessarily a ceremony uh, where you're in a room with a bunch of people, although that does happen. It's really kind of a solitary experience. So I was going to have mine uh, delivered personally by Claire and her sister, Um, So I kind of rented this place for about two weeks as my little spot. And uh, yeah, it was beautiful. Like this little adobe place with a cozy bedroom. And like, it was hot down there. I like to have air conditioning. Yeah, yeah. And I knew I was going to be in the bedroom most of the time. So I wanted not to be sweating like I'm in some Vietnam movie. (laughs) Glistening. (laughs) Glistening, indeed. My drugged out, smooth dolphin body, listening with many beads of spiritual oh. sweat. Perspiration. <laughs> I'm getting off topic here, yes. woman. Oh, God. Lots of tangents. <laughs> okay, so um, day one, I get down there and I'm, you know, kind of by myself while they're getting everything ready. Um, I wake up, I had a great nine hours of sleep. Um, Claire said that I needed to sleep a lot to endure the next five days of treatment. Goodness. I didn't know exactly how long it would be. Five days? Yeah. So you're in this for five... You're in this yeah, that was for five days. That's right. That was my kind of catchment zone. It could be shorter. It could be longer. Right. But I wanted to do sort of an extended experience to get the full brunt of it. But these other ones we've spoken about, they're yeah. just not... Like one to two days, right? That's, That's right. Like ayahuasca is an overnight thing. So you start at sunset and you go to sunrise in yeah. general. Yeah. Um, so that's about an eight or nine hour experience. Other ones like 5-MeO-DMT are only like 20 minutes. Right. But it feels like many lifetimes in there because there's time dilation. Um, but yeah, typically Ibogaine treatments are um, maybe just a day or two. But she set up her clinic a little bit differently, where she kind of slowly floods you over time. Because she wants to see like how the Ibogaine reacts with you. Right. Uh, she wants to do lots of 
medical testing to make sure that you're healthy and your blood pressure is good the whole time. Can things go wrong? Very rarely. It's it's very safe. Uh, I think if you have like a bad heart condition or something, it could be a little dangerous. But you don't want to have like a pacemaker or something. That might be okay, uh, but it just basically depends on your general state of health, I think. Um, and then, you know, you also do all these medical tests just to make you feel more confident because it can be kind of a scary experience. So I was kind of getting in the mode of having my spiritual congress with uh, Grandfather Iboga even weeks ahead of time. So like I stopped drinking about two weeks ahead of time. So I went in pure, a pure vessel. How was that? <laughs> well, it was all right. It wasn't the end of the world, but... <laughs> and although you don't have to stop any substances before you go, which, by the way, is one of the main reasons people go to do Ibogaine. Even though I went for a spiritual experience to get to know myself better, all that jazz, many people go, and this is one kind of sad thing about ibogaine or maybe it's a plus thing a lot of people go to break their addictions on substances so a lot of people go with like that are hooked on meth or methadone or heroin or uh crack you name it and like people will even uh they'll show up uh like high at the ibogaine event you know they'll shoot up in the airport on the way down very very common and there's a great documentary I'll link to uh, about Ibogaine. I think it's called Rite of Passage. It's about 15 years old. But it's a wonderful documentary, and they talk about... It's mostly about breaking addiction, that one. And they have like five or six case studies of people from various ages that have been to every possible rehab thing, you know, from Betty Ford, ones that cost 50 k or whatever. Mm. And they come out, and they just start using again. And every single one of them that went and had this Ibogaine thing, they're like fixed immediately with no withdrawal. And I think there's something, I might have these stats wrong, but there's a very small percentage of people that relapse within a few years. But it's got an incredible cure rate. Did you say it's legal here? It is legal in New Zealand. But not in the States. Not in the States. Yeah. Which is too bad because people have so many, um, you know, negative addictions there. Mm. Uh, everything from you know fentanyl to opioids and i mean that's the big problem and this ibogaine just cleans all that up immediately it's like reset yeah it's a a good reset so day one um i do my daily meditation i listen to the sam harris meditation he always has little nuggets in there he's so great isn't he great he has a wonderful voice and he one of the things he said in that one that occurred to me is he's always about like watch your thoughts just observe them try not to be judgy of your thoughts and he said even when you have that thought that you're not supposed to be having thoughts like that is a thought (laughs) in itself (laughs) and so don't beat yourself over that one either yeah um yeah so always nice little reminders then i did some yoga i had a run on the beach and at about 12 noon still on day one uh claire picks me up and we drove to a, a nearby town, uh, a little bigger. They have a, a little medical clinic. Um, I did like the full EKG. Um, I had a perfect 60 beats per minute. The doctor said I had the heart of an 18-year-old athlete.
Their signs look good. They had all the other medical stuff that you'd probably understand about my heart cavity and stuff. No, don't understand that. Nah. nah. The only thing he said, he, he said I should drink more water, like with electrolytes and coconut water and stuff. I don't know how he got that from my EKG. Salt. Put some salt in your water. It helps your body retain, retain the right. water. Thanks, Mom. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Anytime. So then we stopped to do some more shopping to get supplies for this big week ahead. And then while we were shopping, we went like down the diaper aisle. And she said, do you want some adult diapers? I was like, err. Do I need them? <laughs> I was like, this is a hot date. <laughs> Why can't we, you know, just go get some Italian food to cook it up? Do we have to go straight to the diapers? <laughs> Cut out the middleman. Yeah. So then we stopped back at Claire's so place. Hang on, oh, hang yes. on, don't skip over that part. Did you get some? <laughs> <laughs> I already had them on. You know that. I bought supplies. I have on two layers. It's like a tearaway. So I'm always fresh down there. <laughs> oh, and I thought you might actually need them for the five days. Well, I, there is a chance of vomiting and diarrhea involuntary but it doesn't happen that often it will happen in ayahuasca but this is not this is really about purging okay yeah. so we stopped back at claire's place to get some other goodies uh i met her sister they kind of form a team and she's like the real vegan nut you know you guys would probably get along well what? just I'm work vegan just work well i know but you you work healthy eating into every conversation <laughs> i told you i was getting a new tire on my car and you said, you know, that tires are made out of rubber, right? I said, yes. And what's your point? And you said, well, rubber comes from this place, and they're not vegans there. And you like, okay, don't, don't bring your militant veganism into my tire discussion. I think you've got the wrong person. <laughs> um, and so she stopped and got some goodies. And her, I thought her sister looked cool because, like, her hair was all like different colored and she had tattoos and stuff and looked like she had had a rough life, you know, a little she bit come of, out the other side? a little bit of road rash, oh, like a girl with a few rash. open head wounds. No, I'm just oh. kidding. She was lovely, but, <laughs> and actually, you know, Claire, I don't know her sister's full story, but I know Claire actually was hooked on methadone and oh. she was a heroin user like Claire was yeah, the owner of 20 planet. plus years ago. And because Ibogaine just completely fixed her, she got really into it, and she's real sciency, and she's friends with Rick Doblin and the whole MAPS group, and yeah, and now she built this kind of legendary clinic down there. So is it sort of deemed, like, it is deemed a medical facility, so... No, it's, I don't it think there's any like official... A like a health retreat, sort of... It's more like a health retreat. Right. Yeah. It's a little bit like... She can't go and give you pres like prescribe you things, and she's not a doctor. No, no. But she works with lots of doctors. Like their team has amazing doctors on it. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, she consults with all of them, and they can give me any prescription I need. Pseudo medical. Yeah, pseudo medical. Cool. It's kind of like the White Lotus, but with more drugs. How good is the White Lotus? Are you loving it? Oh my gosh, season two. <laughs> I okay. Wow. I, I watched the show, but I don't even think I like it. You don't like it? Well, all the characters are a bit one-dimensional, don't you think? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you who oh, I do love, I though, is that, is that bigger old blonde woman. Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, yeah. she is. Is she great? Tanya, she is great. I also love Harper. This, yeah. The grumpy... Boy, she is grumpy. She's so she... grumpy. She's got some good facials. Yeah, she's like a brunette Harriet. 
Oh. <laughs> just always you know, com- I, I mean, I complaining. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's ever good enough. No. You don't love me anymore. Cut me down. <laughs> you might love me, but you're not in love with me. Oh, gosh. What did you do last night? Why is there a condom oh, on them? Don't give it away for people who haven't watched it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, and Porsche's the other one I like. Yeah, she's cool. She's cool. But why does she hook up with that douchebag oh, no, tool? Then she's, I know. Because she's regretting it. She could have gone with a nice guy. She bad choices and she said that. She yeah. said, I always... And then she made another one. Yeah. Nice guy was too nice. But nice guy. Nice guy's gone... Yeah. The other way. Yeah, nice guy's with that prostitute. Lucia. Yeah. Well, she probably knows what she's doing in bed. Yeah, she, she's... They Apparently. Seem to know. They both seem... <laughs> Anyway. Why, do all, why do all you girls go for these asshole guys? And just leave us nice ones in the dust. <laughs> Are you lumping yourself wrong? in with the nice ones? <laughs> yes, I have lumped myself thusly. <laughs> I don't know. I guess people like excitement. No? Maybe it's you don't value your own self-worth. You don't feel yeah, like you're worthy of love, too. so you end up with... Yeah, you're, just, you're looking for pain and misery so you can do your a boga... Right, the devil you know. ...thing to undo it all. <laughs> All right, enough white lotus anyway, talk. Anyway, back on track. Sorry, <laughs> back on track. Stop digressing. Okay, so three thirty, we go back, and I do a pretty significant dose of peyote. Peyote, which, which comes from a cactus, mm-hmm. and it's a, a little bit like a, a mescaline, maybe a little bit like mushrooms, and it's very mild. And Claire said it pairs well with a boga it kind of calms down your nervous system and kind of puts you in a state where you kind of really appreciate nature I and that's like that is that sounds cool just don't yeah time. oh it's great yeah yeah it's, it's really calm and chill um so i was wondering if i still had time to get my nails done on peyote <laughs> i love that you do your nails yeah they're looking a little rough though aren't they I got a little sparkle left. Yeah. Don't look at them. I am. I'm judging you. <laughs> They're bad. You need you need yeah. a good manicure stat. <laughs> it's looking rough down there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I had the peyote, and then I went out on the beach and had a nice walk. Um, and while I was walking around, I was working on my questions because when you go into the ibogaine zone, uh, you can ask questions to the, for lack of a better word, entities inside of there. And I talked with a guy ahead of time uh, who's very experienced with it. He said, you know, try to come up with nine questions. You can kind of split your aboga ceremony into three parts, morning, uh, afternoon, and evening. And try to come up with three questions for uh, each one. And so, and I was trying to memorize my questions because it can be a little hard to read or be functional when you're on the medicine. So Mm -hmm. I tried to memorize them. Uh, Here they are, if you are wondering. Uh, So some of my questions were like, how can I show up better in my relationships? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, how can I be like a better communicator? I feel like I'm already a master communicator. And I'm a great active listener, and I mirror back, and I really listen, man. But how could I do it even but, better? Yeah. If that's even possible. Overachiever. Yep. Yeah. And then I would also, another question was like, what stories am I telling myself that aren't true? Oh. You know? That one sounds complex. These deep questions. So deep. Uh, I would ask, like, why do I tend to distract myself so much with so many projects and activities? Uh, 
some of my nighttime questions were like, for people that I've wronged, what's the best way to make amends? That's a good one. Uh, even unintentionally wrong, because yep. I unintentionally... Everyone people. does. Yeah. Us. It's just human nature. Yeah. And then I wanted to ask, like, what happened to me as a kid that either causes me to be self-destructive or unintentionally hurt others? Goodness. All the deep questions. It's so deep. And then the last one was like, how do I let go of stuff that's not serving me anymore? That's a good one. Yeah. You don't think... Uh, I mean, are these questions that 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 you feel relate to you specifically or are you just like pulling questions yeah deep questions out of a hat yeah i really thought about them quite a bit um like i knew that I, like alcohol wasn't treating me all that well you know first of all it makes you feel terrible it wasn't causing any major problems in my life but it's it would helpful. cause a few inconveniences from time to time mm -hmm. and also i didn't have as much energy available to create or work on projects or whatever. So I thought, well, that wasn't my intent to cut that out. But I thought, well, that might be a, a side benefit mm -hmm. of the whole situation. You know, who knows what a boat is going to do. Okay, so I kind of go over my questions. Now the peyote is really starting to kick in. And I go out on the beach and I think about it going through me. Claire told me that, you know, you're digestive system is five meters long so it takes a while to get through your human donut those are my words a donut if you think about it we're kind of like donuts right you kind of put food in one side and they go through the donut hole and they come out the other donut hole side is a better analogy and the donut kind of absorbs whatever is going through the hole it's sort of a high thought yeah a high analogy obviously yeah yeah loose <laughs> uh well there's no bad ideas when you're high like man, that makes a lot of sense yeah man humans are like donuts yeah, totally dude anything goes <laughs> yeah um so while i was on the beach i made like a, a video that i thought was quite hilarious i haven't actually watched it yet to see if it is hilarious <laughs> and entertaining as i remember <laughs> it's hard to be objective when you're on drugs and then i made friends with this bird that was out there oh wow I'm not really sure the bird understood the depth of our relationship. Like he was looking at other birds and stuff. And I was like, hey man, what about me? It was, it was our first argument. It was kind of sweet in a way. All right, so now about 7 p.m. I'm feeling great and happy. Coming up with all kinds of funny ideas. I write them down. I do another batch of peyote. Why not? Uh, Claire said I could. She goes, don't do too much because then you'll be too like amped up all night long. How do you, how do you, is it just ingested? It's, it's kind of like eating a handful of dirt. It's about a quarter sized. Oh. Yeah. It doesn't taste that great. Does, it, kinda, does it look like dirt? It looks like dirt. What, so There's a few sticks in there too. Uh, peyote, it comes from a cactus. Oh, cactus. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yes. Yes. So uh, now while the second one's kicking in, Claire's sister comes over and she brings a ton of vegan food to support me through the week. And she's like a super fun hurricane of veganism. Uh, like very different than her sister. Hurricane of veganism. <laughs> yes. Uh, but they're both great, unexpected. And then like I sat down with her sister. We had some like deep heart to hearts while I was high. You know me. I like to have deep conversations. I really yeah. get to know people. Yeah. So we have a little sharing circle there. Do that the all the time. <laughs> so nine o'clock, still day one. I'm still feeling great. Um, I started reading this guy named Paul Levy, who's one of Claire's 
uh, heroes and her favorite author. And I'm reading about like the quantum world. And I realized a few ideas about like parallel universes that might have trays out there. And we all kind of share information, you know? Mm-hmm. You ever think about that? Like there might be other Harriets out there in a parallel universe. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> How horrific would that be? Oh my That'd God. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I know. I mean, yeah, we could go down that road, but that's a, that's a big door to open tray. <laughs> Yeah, I sometimes think about there are multiple trays out there. And then like at times of meditation, I kind of convene with the other trays. And I kind of pick up some of their lessons that they've learned from their universes. You convene with the other trays. Yes, it's a council of trays. (laughs) It's like a council of ricks. You don't just think it's all like... I don't know. In your mind? It could be. There's a lot of stuff in in my mind. peyote mind? (laughs) Could be, but it made a lot of sense to me at the time. Okay. Uh, and then my friend Shen sent me a cool documentary on Infinity, um, and I watched that. Like I over felt, and over again. <laughs> I watched it <laughs> an infinite number of times. Uh, yeah, mostly that... boring. <laughs> it was. You're reading my notes there. Sorry, it was sorry, mostly sorry. boring. There was a cool thing about like an apple in a box, right? And so you can't see what happens outside of the box, but there's an apple in a box, and over time, that apple will like dissolve you know fall apart into its constituent elements and mm-hmm. oh like if you give it long enough like all universes are born inside of there every possible thing can happen inside of that little box given enough time so i found that to be a very deep yeah. thought that's what the world is basically about, i think so a large box we're all apples now 10 30 p.m harriet i have diarrhea <laughs> not right now that's a fun image that's <laughs> Don't worry, I'm wearing a diaper, just in case. Got any left. Just in case the podcast gets a little loose in the caboose. Loose. Got an anaconda in the back of my Honda. Okay, that's enough. Okay. Stop now. (laughs) That's a rap lyric from Sir Mix-a-Lot, one of the greatest living bards amongst us today. (laughs) Uh, Just a little bit. And I realized my hot water isn't working, because I always like to have a shower after a good diarrhea. (laughs) I don't know about you. (laughs) Yeah, I concur with that. Good. God, we have so much in common. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> but what you just had cold water it, it doesn't just quite cold clean water. the same does it I know <laughs> <laughs> oh it doesn't I hope you had yeah. soap man I had a wet wet squeeze cold wet squeegee <laughs> alright so then I go off to bed I'm not really feeling tired and I didn't take any sleeping pills or anything but they left me all kinds of supplements which I'm still on you should see my supplements oh please I look can I see your all, stash <laughs> all kinds of stuff were they just like herb, herbal, herbal supplements? I got all sorts of stuff. I'll take a picture of it and put yeah. it in my, put it in the show notes. Uh, so Claire says, based on what the doctor told her, because the doctor got back with a full report, said I, she thought An I actual could, doctor. A real doctor. Okay, a real doctor. Yeah, like they went to a school and stuff. <laughs> they learned shit. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. And so the doctor thought I could take a pretty big dose because I'm because you've got the heart of an 18-year-old athlete. Yes, mm. healthy as a, a bull in a china shop. Uh, so then I got a final note from Claire uh, as I was going to bed. She said that I could have more peyote for breakfast. Woo! I know, just mix it in my smoothie. Breakfast of champions. Did you bring any back? Uh, no, because it's Cause illegal customs. here. Oh, that yeah. one's illegal here. Yeah. The mild one is illegal here. Yeah. But the intense one is not. Is yeah. that just because they don't know about it here? 
No, they know about it. Oh. But it's strange because like you're allowed to grow the cactuses, the cacti in your yard, but, you but you're not allowed to carve them up and eat the plant stuff inside, which is silly, yes. especially how mild it is. Uh, yeah. Okay. So anyway, that <laughs> night I had a crazy like Tarantino style dream. Ooh, I, I started like those. Keeping notes. And I imagined, or in my dream, like all these people, you're going to think, oh, Trey, you have some mom issues here. And maybe I do. But <laughs> all to be borne out by the Ibogaine, which yeah. I don't have mom issues. I don't think. Okay, you protest too much. <laughs> but, but anyway, in the dream, like all these people, this is the house I grew up with in, in Dallas, Texas. And there were all these people, not all these people, two or three people breaking into our house, kind of in slow motion. And I would move around surreptitiously. And I had like this big butcher knife. And, I, and as they were like going to my mom's room, I would like stab them and cut them up. Oh my goodness. And it was incredibly violent. But I've never, it's so weird. I've never had any violent dream. I've had dreams where violence is happening, but, but I'm never doing it. Yeah. Wow. And so like, but I saved my mom like three times that night. There was blood all over the room, but she was thankful. So they were in slow motion, but you were in regular motion? No, I was just kind of, I was also in slow motion, but I was a little faster than them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit Kill Bill, isn't it? <laughs> it's very Kill Bill. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was interesting because I never had dreams like that. Uh, okay, so <laughs> 9 a.m. This is day two. Uh, up and moving around. My sleep was intermittent. Um, but I still felt quite rested. I did shower and yoga. And then I sent some voice messages to family and loved ones to let them know I'm okay and alive. You know, they're all worried. Point. Yeah. Like, Trey, what are you up to now? You know, they don't want me to die. And I don't want to die either. Somehow I'm responsible for taking care of lots of people. I don't know who put yeah, me in we... charge. How did that happen? How did that happen? I do, I do wonder, um, when you're doing these sorts of things, there is obviously a degree of risk. Yes. Which is probably greater than... Zero. Zero. Yes. Um... But you're obviously fine with taking that risk, all yeah. in aid of what? I, yeah, I'm 100% fine with it. And I look at the stats ahead of time. I'm not going to do anything that would really cause jeopardy in my life, you know. And that's for the same reason that I haven't, like, tried meth or heroin or anything like that, because I know that can be very Nothing risky, especially over time. Uh, but I mostly go for the spiritual experiences, which are like incredibly safe if you're healthy and relatively young like me mm-hmm. yeah that's a good question though so uh 10 a.m i have my smoothie with some peyote uh claire's gonna come in about two hours i made a few more videos i thought about making like a little documentary about my experience you know where i talk to the camera and have heart to hearts which i made but i haven't edited it together yet have you viewed them no, they might be super lame. Are you, Let me just you're delete them to all. Look at them, aren't you? I'm not scared. I'm just I'm a busy woman. You're a busy woman or you're a busy comma, <laughs> comma woman? Comma woman. <laughs> Punctuation kids. It's so important. Okay, so twelve thirty, Claire comes over, takes my blood pressure. It's a bit high. Uh, she says probably because I stopped drinking about two weeks ago and blood pressure can go up a little bit. Uh, but also, I had other stresses on me, like relationships, art projects, stuff happening back here in New Zealand. And, you know, I just kind of there's a lot of vectors of pressure in my life that I kind of have to. I know everyone has stresses. I am no different. 
So Claire gave me about 400 milligrams of Ibogaine, which she said was ideal for my body weight. Uh, she said it should be enough to make me not functional. And then she used an amazing analogy, which I continue to think about, and I tell other people. And she says it's like defragging your hard drive. So it's kind of hard to use your computer while you're defragging your hard drive. So it's your body? Yes, exactly. So, you, so are you in your room for all this? this is, well... Where do you do this? Because yes, if you're so, going to be defragging and, you're, yeah. and your computer's not working, right? <laughs> where are you? Well, I'm right by my room, and we're kind of sitting outside on the patio, like in the trees, and there's a pool, and uh, it's quite nice outside. So I mostly sit outside with her, but then when it kicks in, I'm going to just go next door to the bedroom and lay down. Right. Uh, so she made me some capona, which is some kind of weird non-coffee stuff. You heard of that? Um, Makona? <laughs> <laughs> Makona Matata? Makona Heftmir. No, I have not heard of It was that. pretty good. But like she wanted me off the caffeine or off everything. So right. it was nice. Mm. Uh, so then I sat and talked to Claire for a long time while I was waiting for it to kick in about Paul Levy, about quantum mechanics and communicating with multiple trays. <laughs> She's real geeky like me, so we get into all this stuff. Yes. And then Claire made a suggestion as to the intention or prayer that I should go in with. And the prayer is kind of like non-denominational, you know. And basically, she said, like, just to treat a boga like a garbage disposal. And even though that doesn't sound very nice to treat the aboga that way, she goes, it loves it. Like the aboga wants to just take care of all the garbage in your life. Yeah. So I said, good. Finally, someone wants to take care of all the garbage in my life. And so you kind of go in with this prayer. um, And I kind of had my own modification on it. Like here are my problems for you. I bring you my problems. Enjoy them. I give you all my garbage. I give you all the lies. I tell myself all the stories. I tell myself, all my issues, all my other problems, you're going to see more than I do. I said, there you go, Boga. I wish I had something better for you. <laughs> and I said, like, you know, show me what I need to be seen and please help heal those parts I cannot see. So profound. Yeah. So that was kind of a nice intention, I thought. Okay, now 1.30 p.m., it's starting to kick in a little bit, so I go prepare my bed, and I put on Claire's Spotify playlist. She had all these different playlists from Africa and South America to kind of get you in the mood, you know. <laughs> and you wear an eye mask the whole time, so oh, yeah. kind of sensory deprivation except for the music. Um, but I wasn't really feeling it yet, and I was a little bored, so I went out to chat with Claire, and then she says, it's best if you just go back and lay in bed and just wait for it. <laughs> I don't know if she was tired of my chats. <laughs> she's I thought my chats were amazing. <laughs> but she said, Trey, just go back to bed. I was like, okay, Claire. <laughs> uh, and, but she did say she really appreciated like how laid back I was and how cruisy I was. Because I guess there's a lot of high-strung people that come down there. Yeah, well, especially if they're all like, meth heads and pee addicts and same thing but yeah no i wasn't uh, i was calm yeah i was serene i was a minority jittery uh okay so 2 p.m now not really feeling much uh i had a funny memory pop into my head and then i started to laugh and clara was next door she was what are you laughing at i said oh i just had this dumb memory pop into my head she goes it's not dumb remember it 
Except he's okay. <laughs> yes, ma'am. All right. And it was just this weird memory of like, my dad used to come get me every Sunday. I guess my parents got divorced when I was eight or nine or something. And so my dad would see me on Sundays and I would sit in this little uh, window and uh, wait for him to come pick me up. And so he, he got me and then, you know, we'd go do stuff like play mini golf or play video games or whatever. And then he would sometimes take me to a toy store, which of course... I could be bought, you know, I'm a kid. Kids <laughs> Every love toys. Kid can be. <laughs> anyway, he, he got me one of these magic kits, you know, those magic kits that have like 50 tricks in them, you know, all in one. And I bought it home. I was so excited. I showed my mom and she was so angry. Oh. Like she was super angry. And because I later found out that she had got me pretty much the exact same thing for my upcoming birthday. And he just frivolously bought you one one yes. Sunday. Right. So she wasn't mad at me. It was just mad at my dad. Yeah. And just... Took it out on you. Well, <laughs> didn't exactly take it out on me, but like there was a lot of anger. For whatever reason, that just stuck with me. I don't know why. Because you would have been super confused. Well, yeah. As a kid. I, well, I'm still confused. I'm 51. That's a cool memory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it wasn't like traumatic and you, or anything. I love that you laughed when you remembered it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did laugh. Um, so... Pretty much the rest of the day, I was caught in just various thought loops. They weren't all negative, but like sometimes when you get high, you get caught in these thought loops, these things that just repeat. And then they work themselves out over time. So I tried not to stress about that. Uh, Claire also wanted me to tell her when I needed to go to the bathroom so that she could help me go in there. (laughs) She would have. She's probably had to deal with worse. Uh, I didn't think it would be a problem and I was a little wobbly, but she helped me. That was nice. Um, she said the whole thing was supposed to last for about four hours on this dose. So I had a while to go. Well, we're here for part two because we took a long leave of absence. Because one of us is hella busy. Um, it's probably you to be fair. (laughs) What? And you know what's happened in the meantime, but we'll save this for the end of the show, that White Lotus Season 2 has ended. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Let's, let's do a recap at the end of the show with spoilers. Completely related to this. Ah, yes. And I know you relate to many of the characters. I do, actually. On I that. see myself in many of those characters, <laughs> sordid characters. Yeah, it is a sordid array of ne'er-do-wells. Mm. Okay. So back to that same day, um, 4 p.m. Uh, I might have slept a little bit. I'm not sure. Uh, Claire told me it's almost impossible to sleep on a boga, which I concurred with. Uh, but I felt it wearing off a little bit, um, and I was just kind of bored laying in bed. So I went out to the patio to sit with Claire and talk. Uh, she once again, as she's doing every few hours, takes my blood pressure and. All signs are good. My beats per minute is down to about 50-ish. My blood pressure is down. Um, I feel good enough and see if she wants to go walk down to find a nail salon to get on <laughs> a, a nails did and get some more groceries. Um, she asked, how do I feel? And I said, well, so it's hard to self-assess and be objective, you know, while you're in the malaise and ennui of a molecule. But I said, I feel like, I don't know, 90, 95%. And what do you mean feel 95% like I mean, well? sharp. Oh, sharp. Yeah. Your mental acuity. Yes. And I'm not, you know, I feel like I'm walking fine, not feeling rubbery. 
Um, I don't feel like I'm making weird decisions or having super unusual thoughts or anything. But she says she can tell it's working because it's taking me a little more time to answer her questions and she's used to my lightning fast mind. Which I thought, oh, that's a nice thing to say. So generous. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, are you flirting with me while I'm high? I like it. Uh, and then uh, we get some groceries, a little Mexican market. Um, I love shopping in other foreign supermarkets, don't you? Yes. Isn't it great? I even just, I go to other foreign supermarkets here at home just because it's like way more interesting than our ones. How foreign can you get in New Zealand though? Well, there's an Asian supermarket here and they've got each oh. aisle is sort of, you know, different. Very organized. Yeah, very organized. Manicured. But it's just, you know, uh -huh. you can't get any of those, well, most of those products in the, in the That's true. standard. They just told me a story about they were helping out some... And I may get some of the facts of this wrong. They're helping out some cult leaders that came in that were super methed out. And while they were doing it, other members of the cult were putting hexes on them. <laughs> it's wow. the, great, man, the greatest stories. Yeah, and they're just yeah. the objective, the bystander, just right. watching all this crazy. It's fantastic. I mean, it would make a great show. It would be a great show. Yeah. Would they do that? Oh, they would. They'd be good on camera too, because they're great speakers. And um, yeah, I'll pitch that idea to them. Not that I have time to do it. Uh, <laughs> in fact, she while we were talking, she told me about this guy that came down that had been doing meth for like thirty years, and he had done so much that he would just do like babble talk, you know, just wow. like nonstop nonsense, just constantly high. Constantly. Yeah, or it had fried his brain to such a degree that he had just lost all grip on the, you know, English lexicon and couldn't speak clearly. Incredible, still alive after 30 years of that. Right. Um, but as soon as he got on the Ibogaine, he was totally lucid and clear and intelligent and a good conversationalist. Wow. And it's like a switch was flipped. So it's like it reconnected all those neurons. Yeah. It kind of reset everything. Was it so after the the Dur during the and arc. after. So he was kind right. of cured, if you will. Cured, right. And then wow. he stopped doing the meth and he had no withdrawal symptoms. Wow. And just stayed off it ever since. So Incredible, this is the part right? of this that I like. Yeah. That is amazing. Why do we yeah. not use this in well mainstream Um because I hope pods like this help get the word out there. Yeah, right. Now that is one anecdotal experience. You can't, you know, you know, develop a whole theory based on just a few stories. But because she's been treating, you know, thousands of people over the last two decades, the the data is in, and the stats are just incredible yeah. for cures. You know, I mean, it's worth investigating further. You know. Yeah, and as we were walking around San Pancho. Kind of everybody knows her in town because she does a lot of free work for people in town that have problems. Mm -hmm. um, there was an American guy that was down there, and he came down about 12 years ago to get treatment, and he was hooked on methadone. And I, I don't actually, I'm not an expert on methadone, but I think that's what they put you on when you're doing too much meth and kind of helps you come down from meth. But right. that itself is also, also addictive. addictive. Right. Yeah. And he was like quite uh, obese and just like in rough shape, you know? And so 
she told me this after we met him and we met him on the street and he was just he's this 55 year old guy and he looked amazing he was like playing guitar he looked like a surfer his body was great he looked young and fresh and he was like full of life and the joie de vivre and I just thought he was just like some cool surfer dude that just hangs out in town but then she told me the story about him and again anecdotal but like you just see evidence of all these people walking around you're like wow it's just incredible yeah so it gets to be around bedtime um, Claire leaves it's about uh, now nine-ish um, I have my little snack tack and then my designated pills which are all just you know supplements and things of that nature just to make sure all my levels are good I went to bed about 9.30, and I had no trouble falling asleep. I so, was oh, exhausted. Had, I was going to say, do you have food, but you just said you had a little snack. But are, yeah. you, are you hungry at all on this, or is it kind of like you're not really interested? I wasn't really hungry, but I was eating for the nutritional yeah. aspect of it. Yeah. Okay, so the next day, 8 a.m., wake up, grin and sleep. I got up twice briefly in the night to pee and get more coconut water. I went right back to sleep. It's too easy. I feel like I'm kind of finally getting in the groove of this thing. Uh, my breakfast is coconut yogurt, some chia seed pudding. <laughs> uh, I do a longer, harder yoga this morning while I'm waiting on Claire. Then I catch up on some real life stuff, you know, email, Twitter, social media, family, friends. Let them know I'm all still alive and kicking and all that good jazz. Um, yeah, so I've got plenty of time to do that before Claire comes over to drug me up again. Uh, it's about 12.30, just, you know, early afternoon. Uh, Claire comes over and she gives me a 600 milligram dose this time. I don't know, not much happens. I feel it a little bit, but I have no new memories or visions or anything. I'm just feeling kind of groggy. I have a few thought loops about some relationship stuff, but nothing too bad. I'm mostly just kind of bored laying in bed. You know, I feel should, kind of lame. Should watch some Sudoku. <laughs> yeah. Something. Yeah, or like a 10,000 piece puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, of, of the grayness of my mind. Like, which side is the back side of this puzzle? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I didn't have any expectations. Um, I felt a little bit lame, just kind of laying there. But I was like, well, you know, it's all right. Just did breathing exercises and jazz like that. Uh, two hours later, Claire came and gave me another dose, this time 300 milligrams more. And this is an overall cumulative effect because it doesn't really leave your system. So now I'm up quite a bit. doesn't um, leave your system until when? Like how well, long? it could stay in for like well over a month. Oh, right. Yeah, now, there's a half-life. But definitely this part stays, like this stuff will stay in your system for, like most of it stays in your system for four or five days or so. Right. So definitely cumulative. Takes my blood pressure again, heart rate 52. Um, I still really feel nothing. I rest in bed with my eye mask. <laughs> nothing happens, not too disappointed. No expectations. Uh, Claire and I talk about it. We think stuff is happening in the background. Of your mind. Of my, of my mind. Of my mind, yeah. You're not like intellectually aware of it, um, but there's stuff happening. You mean your subconscious? My subconscious. Freud is. Deep where <laughs> shadows lurk in the darkness. Oh, goodness. Mm. Oh. 
Uh, now 4 p.m. Feeling about 95% normal, so I'll go out and talk with Claire and Sarah. Hang out and have snacks. We have a big early dinner together and talk. Um, I have a little bit of peyote um, just to mix it up a little bit. And then Claire and I jump out in the ocean and we do some skinny dipping. And it was a little cold and the waves are big. And it's quite dark. We kind of lost each other for a while. Oh, gosh. And I, At 4 o'clock? Well, we stayed... Oh. Well, now... <laughs> it's probably about 8 o'clock. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was still wearing my eye, eye shades. Yeah, I, yeah, like, I mean, I was fine. Take eye mask <laughs> I was totally fine, totally sober. But I did forget to take off my eye mask during the... <laughs> During the beach part. <laughs> it's one of my quirks. <laughs> I figure no one else wants to see me naked. I don't. <laughs> it's like a child. You can't see me. <laughs> Got my eye mask on. All right. Uh, anyway, so okay. it's 8 o'clock. Yeah. Yes, and you're yeah. skinny dipping skinny in the dipping. ocean. Yeah, I thought I lost her in the ocean for a while, but she just she washed up on every part of the beach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So now nine o'clock and I'm feeling tired. I go to sleep. This is early for me. I'm a bit of a night owl, but yeah. you know, hmm. I'm just kind of going with the flow. Next day, uh, rise and shine, all my supplement pills, yogurt, chia seed. Um, I do yoga again and I do a little bit of a jog. It's not much of a jog. Jogging on the beach is tough. Oh yeah. That you resistance. know, it's yeah, man, man. it is rough. Shoes or no shoes? Uh, no shoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Bit of an exfoliation as well. It, yeah. Fully exfoliated. I just shed a layer there. And, <laughs> but I've got very sensitive feet. Um, Do you try? I have feet like a fine Victorian lady. <laughs> They're soft and supple, wow. silky. The feet of dreams. Wow. They completely say. opposite to mine. It's, it's, I, I know. Only, I can only dream, really. I know, but I, I love those scarred up Chewbacca's. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm on your OnlyFans foot page. <laughs> Good stuff. It's a bargain at twice the price. Yeah, yeah. put model. Man, yeah. I love the, the fruit and the whipped cream, and you're an inventive. Like, oh my gosh, she got a new dog. No, she just needs to. She needs to wax, but that's all right. I like a high I've friction got, foot. Well, I've got nothing for this. this <laughs> no comeback. Oh my gosh. Okay, so now Claire comes back around 12.30 again, just afternoon, and now she gives me a full gram, 1,000 milligrams. Boom. Um, about 2.30, I'm not really still feeling much effect. I get a feeling something's happening in the background. Claire thinks I need more. Um, because you're reading my notes here. No, she sorry. goes, Trey, you're too, oh. you're too cerebral. I thought, oh, no, I can't help it. It's not a program. So smart. Or thick-headed is probably a better way to say it. No. What? Uh, what you, stubborn. Uh, right, yes. Um, Not like literally thick-headed. Yeah. Now, I, I tell her, which I think is true. I'm not fighting it. You know, I'm not like, you won't come into me, Apoka. I'm definitely welcoming it and doing my best to surrender and be vulnerable. Um, but she thinks like there's guardians of the gate and needs to like destroy. So I'm like, yeah, there's a battle going on in there. So she jams another 700 milligrams in. So now I'm at 1.7 grams Five. for the day. Plus, you know, the one plus grams from the day before. So now I'm pretty much flooded. Okay. So now 4 PM, I'm at what we would call the breakthrough level. Um, and this went on for about four or five hours. Um, 
before Claire brought some food in to feed me. Um, so this, this is the first time that you've really felt anything yes, significant, right? Yes, I'm a little. And how many days are we in now? I think day this is day four? four. Day four. Yeah, I think so. See, that's in, yeah, that's day four. unreal. Yeah. Well, she she likes to slowly ramp you up. You know, I think in a lot of boga ceremonies, they just flood you right away, which also works. But I think she likes the steady pacing of it so that, you know, people ease into it with stepping stones Mm -hmm. because it can be a scary experience, even though I I really wasn't scared. She follows the same protocol for for everybody. And she has to feed me because my hands are too shaky to feed myself. Um, Now... Uh, ready for some visualizations that I saw. Oh, goodness. Okay, yep. This is, Hit me. It is wild. Um, it's not necessarily the most visual thing. It's not like ayahuasca or acid or LSD or 2CB or 5-MeO-DMT or mushrooms. or Other psychedelics are way more visual. Uh, but this was quite unique. It was almost like a lucid dream. And this is probably my... I had two very strong memories. I'll describe them thusly. So... I was in this, I walked in this big, dark room, jet black, and I was surrounded by thousands of television sets. And the TV sets were in three rows, and they were like in a big circle all around me. And I could maybe see a couple hundred of them, right? But I could, I could tell they went all the way around me. And the TV sets were like old TV sets. They were like black and white. You know, those old TV sets that were in the wooden cabinets? Box things, yeah. And you would have to go manually turn the silver dial. That's what they look like. It's like one channel on them. Right. Yeah. But in this case, there were you know, thousands of channels. And I would walk, I could choose, like in a lucid dream, I could choose which one I walked up to. So I would walk up to, I was like, what's going on with these televisions? This is curious. I'm a curious cat. And so I walk up to this one. <laughs> And it's like thousands of Leave It to Beaver episodes or something, but... Hang on, are they all playing the same thing? Or like, no. No, they're all playing different things, right. and you can like choose what yes. show you... Okay. But I'm in all of them. Oh, you are the yeah. star of your own... <laughs> what a surprise. Right, surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> it's the tray show. <laughs> yeah, right. Solipsism to the nth degree. It's turtles all the way down. It's turning all the way down. But each one is showing a different scene from my life. Uh, like my fourth birthday, uh, when I was six years old at, you know, another event. Um, and you see, uh, happy stuff. You see traumatic stuff. You see boring stuff, just day in the life of kid Trey. Um, you know, all the way through, uh, preteen to teen to twenties to thirties to forties. And it's just fascinating to watch and you're not emotionally attached to anything so you're not feeling any feelings mm-hmm. while you're watching these no. very lucid memories that you, right do you remember each of or were they yes. things that you were like actually i didn't even remember that that was something that yeah these are like new memories that i hadn't thought of in forever wow. you know and i don't think it's like you know that movie inception where stuff is being inserted into my mind this is all being created like yeah it's i do remember some of this stuff yeah. yeah and you know like traumatic stuff I wouldn't even watch it and think, you know, you would think like, oh, because this happens with a lot of um, plant therapy stuff like mushrooms or uh, MDMA or 
psilocybin for helping people who've had trauma or PTSD or severe depression. Like in those experiences, a lot of times people will see traumatic events and then they'll realize, oh, it wasn't my fault. You know, just a bad set of circumstances. No need to blame myself, or beat myself up or be self-destructive. It was just like not my fault. And so that frees a lot of people from that little niggling thing, that little niggling piece of programming in there that might have made people think they deserved that kind of thing to happen mm. to them. But this wasn't like that. You would just kind of watch it objectively, not really coldly, but you'd be like, oh, that's interesting. Mm. You know, almost like you're watching a documentary about someone else. I didn't feel sorry for myself. Didn't really feel like I had to forgive anybody. You would just kind of watch it. Yeah. It was very <laughs> interesting. Thing? What was also interesting is the videos I was watching were like in fast forward. They were like 10 times normal speed, but somehow I could understand what was happening. It's like my subconscious was like fast forwarding through the show because like, yeah. A lot to get through. A lot, well, <laughs> a lot to get through. And um, yeah, it was like, uh, you get it, right? Your, your brain can process stuff a lot faster than you think it can, so it was just kind of speeding through there for me. What do you think the point of all that was? Like, what's your brain doing there? I think I was seeing, earlier I referred to this thing as like defragging your hard drive. Mm. I think I'm seeing, this is my own interpretation of the story I'm telling myself, is that I'm just seeing my brain rearrange this stuff and put it in different little categories or file it away or refile it away and kind of reprogram the neurons and all the connections that are around those stories. Hmm. Yeah. Tidying it up. Yeah, tidy it up. Like Marie Kendo for the brain. <laughs> have you seen that show? I sure have. Tidying okay. up. I bet you like it. I did like it, but not enough to like keep watching it. Yeah. But also made me feel really uh, inadequate. <laughs> <laughs> and like a bit of a hoarder, so <laughs> I had to stop. <laughs> You're not enough. You're not worthy of I love. I was, yeah. That's You're inadequate. Exactly. No. Well, we were talking about getting cleaners for our homes. It's hard to find one. How amazing would it be if we could share Marie Kendo? I mean, for cleaning purposes. Oh, does she clean? I don't think she cleans, though. She just tidies no. your she directs. clothes. She yeah. directs. I think she has a small team of Japanese gigglers that come in and do the job. Yeah. I'd now, put my hand up for that show. I would. Oh, yeah. Right along the line. I don't think you're a hoarder. If anything, you hoard tradies up there. <laughs> I am right now. I can see the, literally, I can look out the window right now because you live just up till I can see a giant crane at your house. It's all the steel work. Yeah. I know you've got so 20 exciting. tradies up there that are just shirtless and hulking around. I know you're going to make the Queenstown tradie calendar. <laughs> I see you out there lurking with your telephoto <laughs> lens. Yeah. 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 There's creepy Harriet in the bush with a lens sticking out. Nothing untoward Not happening here. Not even in here. the bush. I'm just standing there <laughs> brazenly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Now, the other vision I had, remember how I could ask questions in there? And one of the questions that I asked was, like, how can I show up better in all my relationships? Mm -hmm. You know, family, friends, blah, blah, blah. You always get answers that you don't really expect you can also ask questions on DMT experiences and things like that. And you, it's a little bit like having intention. Um, and sometimes the answer comes back to you in a bit of a weird way. So in this circumstance, it was hilarious. And, and I was transported to an alien planet with sort of this purple lilac sea, 
right? It was quite beautiful, mm. a sparkling sea. And then in front of me was this beautiful island, kind of Jurassic Parky. Mm. It's all green, a little archipelago with these tall, spiry mountains. And it wasn't that big around. Um, and there was like a, there's kind of like a train that went around it. And just as a idea of size and circumference, it might take like an hour to go around the whole. It's like Thomas the Tank Engine. Like Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> Are you feeling put upon, Thomas? Yes, I'm feeling quite put upon. What happened to you, Thomas? Oh, I'm being bothered by Sam the Smoky Engine. Oh, what happened? Well, oh, that's pretty much every episode. Yeah. Just, Brit just British people complaining about other British people being bothered. <laughs> that was quite good. Uh, sorry, yes, yeah, so you're on your okay. island with the train that takes about yes. an hour to go around. And, and then I quickly got the idea that it was like an amusement park. The whole island was like an amusement park for aliens. And there was all kinds of different sorts of people there and I got the impression that the people weren't actually there it was sort of like their avatars that were there and they would travel there from other realms to be entertained and just enjoy the show a, a galactical amusement Disney yeah, yeah. and um, and there were rides all over the place um, like different kinds of music park rides like Ferris wheels and little roller coasters and log flumes and things of this nature and then whatever alien presence brought me there they said all right trey you're in charge of designing all the new rides for this Ooh. place i was like i'm not well equipped for this job they go, ah, don't worry you'll do fine i was like all right so weird <laughs> so uh harriet i literally spent like two or three hours designing rides for this thing <laughs> and i was like actually two or three hours or two or three hours in your little no it was actually month. two or three hours wow and i was cracking up laughing and i was quite incoherent you know so has from... claire like dipped in and like has she come in here at any point or has she just left you she's to taking her? notes she's, she's in the room next she's door there, right? she's hearing me laugh and she's laughing and stuff and <laughs> does she know what you're doing or did no. you have to tell her afterwards i told her afterwards okay, okay, cool. yeah. <laughs> but she did say it was kind of an unusual thing to laugh that much but <laughs> you're so cerebral yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, but something did, similar did happen during my third ayahuasca experience where I laughed a ton and in a way they called it like a laughing purge. I was going to say it's probably like a big release. Yeah. Um, pent up humor. Yeah. And I came up with like the most ridiculous rides. And the funniest thing about it is every ride I designed was a total disaster. <laughs> And like, so I would come with this ride and then, uh, you know, all the, you know, Disney, Jurassic Park, Alien, SeaWorld people would come and then I'd get everyone all excited about the ride. And then like, this is gonna be great guys. So like I had this pirate ship ride that would go out on the ocean. It's like a super cool pirate ship. You know, everyone's having a good time. And they're like little fake cannons, little net kids could crawl on and, yeah. you know, fun stuff like that. And then, like, someone else had built another pirate ship and came to destroy the pirate ship and oh. killed everyone on it. Oh, wow. So thought, there's a little uh, dark element here. Didn't anticipate that. Wow. And then I d designed some roller... Then after that, I was like, oh, sorry about that, guys. But wait to see my next ride. And, <laughs> and it was like a roller coaster, and I like, forgot to finish part of it, <laughs> which was clear when it went off the tracks. Wow. Um, yeah. 
So, but it was really fun designing rides. And, a little, little masochistic yeah, in there. Yeah, I, I really felt bad for injuring so many people. <laughs> but I also got the feeling that it was just their avatars, that it wasn't really right, them. So they weren't really dying. Yeah, because they would kind of respawn and go like, what do you got next for us? All right, so they're still there, same people. Same yeah. Things. Now, I don't know what I learned from this, right? I don't really know what my, my takeaway is. Although it is a similar takeaway I've gotten from a lot of my other psychedelic experiences, which was just keep being you, keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, you're on the right track. Yeah, you might make rides that don't have tracks people die on, <laughs> but just just keep being yourself. You know, and just keep maybe being a little ridiculous or trying new stuff or having ideas or and don't forget to laugh. Yeah, don't forget to laugh. Because yeah. the universe, that is that is another global theme I get across all these experiences that, you know, the universe is just a very silly place and we're all just lucky to be here. Have a good time. Be kind. Uh, you know, be loving. Help other people. Mm. Um, have a good time. Does it feed into the meaning of life question a little bit? It does. And you've just obviously decided that there's probably not much meaning to life so we may as well just have a good time yeah <laughs> while you're here yeah well, i'm not nihilistic or anything but yeah just have a good time be helpful and kind and i do think people make life way too complex and had too, too much serious. drama and most of that drama comes from you know ego or taking yourself too seriously or making sure that you're Agreed. right in arguments or whatever it might be you know and a lot of that stuff ends up hurting other people or unintentionally hurting other people. Because that's, if you look at drama with anyone in your life, it usually comes from people having an overinflated sense of identity that they have to impose on other people. And Usually because they're a little bit broken somewhere there. Yes, right. They have their own insecurities and their own projections. And it's pretty easily to like, you know, clinically psychoanalyze anybody that tends to hurt other people intentionally or unintentionally. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so... Interesting stuff. Yeah, super interesting. Now, okay, now, so made it made it through the night. I was pretty uh, beat. Um, I was spoon-fed dinner again. It, I vomited for the first time. Then she spoon-fed me again. Um, and after she left, I was going to bed. I had the wildest... This was another vision I had. I had this perfectly clear memory of me being a baby in a high chair and my mom spoon feeding me and god it was so sweet like she was so loving and like she had this little i remember the high chair because it was um it was kind of beige you know high chairs have a they're they're plasticky and then they have a like a little they have a little curvy thing to catch all the extra food and then it was some sort of pea soup or something or you know mashed peas and I could look down and see like perfect little splatters of the pea soup where it kind of spilled a little bit. And then it was really weird because like as she was feeding me, feeding me, I was like, I, I was actually physically opening my mouth and taking in the food. I was like, this is so weird. You were reliving that. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's a nice little memory. I didn't really take anything That's from cute, it. But I thought that was interesting. Because most people would never be in the place where they could remember. Yeah, who would remember something like, like that? that? Yeah. I mean, some, right. I'm sure some people do. Apparently, some um, kids remember being in the womb. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how they worked yeah. that one out, but... I, I don't remember that. 
<laughs> pretty boring. <laughs> well, we have we've yet to do a podcast, which we will, about my Lakota sweat lodge experience, which is great, and that actually included no molecules. But you get into this real quick. You get into this super hot, coal-filled, or glowing red-hot granite-filled um, sweat lodge, and it, it looks like a little igloo in your shoulder-to-shoulder with people, mm-hmm. and you crawl into it, and it is a recreation of being in the womb, oh. right? Because you're hot, you're uncomfortable, like you can leave any time, but then when you, if you make it through the whole thing, which can be hours, then you end up crawling out of the mud, out of the igloo, and there's a big fire outside. And it's the equivalent of, or, you know, a, it's analogous to being reborn. And you're just like, you're just dead, basically. You just collapse on the cool grass and look up at the stars. And it's like such a relief. To get out of there. Yeah. I think, like, in general, being in the womb is supposed to be quite pleasant. Yeah, I imagine it would be. Just like a non-stop hot tub. Not hell like that. It sounds like shoulder to shoulder with other sweaty people. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so I go to sleep. I sleep well. I awaken. I feel a little groggy, rested. Supplement small breakfast with yoga. I'm feeling very, very calm. I goof around a bit. I do a little bit of writing. I'm still not sharp, but I feel about 75% mentally agile. Uh, I'm stumbling around a little bit when I walk, but that's no big surprise. No injuries. And then at 10 a.m., she has this Argentinian masseuse come over because she likes to do other kinds of treatments throughout it's not just the medicine so there can be breath work and yoga and massages and this woman was a great she was great and like while she was massaging me this is the first time ever she was like making these cooing sounds like birds or like nature like the wind and then like towards the end like i was faced i didn't know what was going on but i heard all these wind chimes and i was trying to figure out what the hell is that sound and i think she was like wearing a hat <laughs> like a wide rimmed hat with sort of, you know, like wind chimes around the outside yeah. while she was massaging me. And it was like the coolest sound. I was like, all masseuses should wear should this wear a hat. Wind chime hat. I wish I had looked up to see what was going on. Um, about 12 noon, I have lunch and dip in the pool. I'm basically done with medicine. She says this is what's called my gray day. Um, I don't have anything to do but just sit there and stare at nature or whatever. It really worked. Um, um, I remarked to her that I'm just completely unmotivated to do anything, um, which is okay. I say it's different than like an MDMA come down, which is, can be really rough if you have too much, where you just feel nihilistic and you're not interested in anything and you think it's never going to end. It always does after your serotonin comes back up. It's not, this, this didn't feel like that. So this wasn't a, I had no sadness or something. It was almost like a no feeling, a no mind. I think Buddhist Zen people call it uh, mushi or no mind. Um, she says this because I began interrupts all your normal behavior routines, um, including me being a bit of a workaholic, you know, because if I have to spare 15 minutes, I've always got a few something things to do. To do. Mm-hmm. Um, which can be an addiction in its own way, work. You know, absolutely for sure. So more relaxing. I have some small snacks. And I do some more writing. About six o'clock, she comes over, brings me an epic meal, vegan mac and cheese. Mac and cheese, yes. 
spinach soup and some amazing broccoli soup. I could eat this stuff all the time. Another great conversation. And they left about eight. I could hear the ocean behind me lapping up. Like, oh, this is so nice. Life is wonderful. I slept well. Um, next day she came over and gave me what she called a museum dose of Ibogaine, of about 320 milligrams. And then now we go get our toes done because my nails are looking sweet. Time to get the other 10. Get the pity done. Digits done. Um, I'm feeling like incredibly functional. Um, we stopped at this vegan ice cream place because a vegan ice cream because I wanted to go in there because there's a super hot Argentinian girl that was in there. And I was like, I'll go flirt with her a little bit, but she wasn't there. Oh, no. Yeah. Her boyfriend was there. <laughs> yeah. He was pretty cute. <laughs> um, so hang on, so she just keeps giving you this eye again every day. Yeah. Every day. This was, I think this was the last dose. Right, you know, so day five. Not that you day need six. To, yeah, not that you need to taper off of it or anything, but just to kind of keep the processing going right. a little bit. You know, I just basically trusted the chef. Um, and then, um, before she left, she gave me another, um, half a gram to kind of keep the defragging going. Uh, went to sleep about 10 PM, slept well. Next day, now day seven, another gray day, just eating healthy, going through the motions. Um, I think my brain was dealing with some deep emotional stuff that you're not really aware of, but you can just kind of feel better. You feel like you've worked through stuff and not really understanding it. It's kind of like background therapy in a way. So interesting. Yeah. Have you ever done anything that has had that sort of subconscious? Sure. Yeah. Um, mushrooms will do that for you. Like you have a very tangible experience during the mushrooms, but then there is an integration period that can last days or weeks afterwards. Same way with ayahuasca. You have a very intense experience, but the medicine continues to work on you for weeks and months afterwards as it does background stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, your body has all kinds of stuff going on all the time that you're not aware of. Yeah, yeah. You know, your kidneys are always hard at work, your liver's doing stuff, pancreas is doing, like, there's all kinds of stuff happening in your body automatically that you are not aware of. So, it's... There's no reason that you have to be completely cognitively aware of all the emotional stuff you're going through either. Um, as long as it's getting fixed, you know, just like your kidneys can clear out the bad stuff out of your head. I've gained clear out a lot of the negative emotional stuff out of your head too. Mm. Um, day nine, another nice day of uh, integration. And so I come out of this whole thing um, I'm feeling extremely serene. Um, I'm feeling 0% desire for alcohol. That's good. Uh, which is great. You know, I kind of thought like, well, you know, so I've been to Aroha a couple of times down the road. You've been there? No, it's oh. out of my budget. <laughs> <laughs> I'd well, love to go one yeah, day. Maybe you could cut your, your trainee support staff <laughs> by 10. Yeah, I'm and sure it's could... a way I could work, <laughs> work around it. But, um, but you've been to these kind of places where you're eating healthy, you're really good, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to exercise, eat good, yeah. not drink, all that stuff. And that might last a couple of weeks if you get back to your old habits. So I was a little worried about that because I enjoy drinking. not drinking. Or not drinking. Oh, oh, both. I enjoy both, right. But I thought, well, you know, be so much healthier and 
sharper and all that stuff. And I thought, well, I'm here in Mexico. Everyone's having margaritas. Maybe I'll just kind of slip back into it. But I didn't. Have you um, now, though? Have you gone back to... No. You don't haven't drunk since? No. Zero. That is and amazing. I know. Zero desire. So you still have zero desire? Yeah. Even when other people are drinking around you? Oh, yeah. And you know what? You know what New Zealand's like. Yeah. Everyone's just drinking like... It, of course, it never bothers me that other people yeah. drink at all. And my friends are always trying to tempt me and stuff like that. But there, people weird. really don't care. I mean, my circle of friends, they don't really care whether or not you do it or not. Because I shouldn't care. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, quite open and all that jazz. So I don't really need any kind of social lubricant. Not that that is the reason that people do it, but it's maybe part of the reason. Oh, I think a lot of people do. Yeah. For the social, like, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, and before I would stop drinking for, you know, like weeks or months, but that required willpower, mm. right? Like I would go to a party and I have pretty strong willpower, but it would still like cause, require a little bit of willpower. This doesn't require any willpower at all. It's just automatic. Do you yeah. think that just sort of goes to show that we probably shouldn't, no one should be drinking? I mean, if that's one yeah. of the side effects of doing Ibogaine. I, well, I think so. It's clear that of all the molecules you can put into your body it's one of the most damaging you know short term and long term and you know your liver has to deal with that before it can process food and of course it makes you less sharp it can make for some terrible decisions if you have too much um it takes years off of you yeah um, do you know it makes like i've seen photos there's a there's someone a photographer did the sequence where huh. they uh, photograph people like who were still drinking and then they gave it up and they just do all these series of photographs uh-huh. and how much their faces changed uh-huh. from when they were drinking to when they weren't. And yeah. like their noses got smaller uh-huh. and their complexion like evened yeah. out and wasn't ruddy. And like, but yeah, like yeah. The, actually the size of ears, noses, right. all sorts of things changed. It's not oh, just for sure. like glowing. I've noticed that my face is like less swollen. Yeah. <laughs> My skin is a thousand times better. Um, I probably dropped from 85 kilos, and I just weighed yesterday, I'm 79 kilos. Yes, yeah. because it's just sugar as well, uh, right? Like it's yeah. empty calories. and Yeah, right. Interesting. And then also when I when I would drink, I would make bad food decisions. You know, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to have half a pizza, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier to yeah, make bad right. decisions, hey? Uh, plus, oh, I have yeah. like extra energy. Um, I can work on projects late into the night. Um, I'm much more productive. You know, there's so many benefits. And if you're going to put, if you're going to have molecules to like enhance your evening or have a break, there's so many better things, you know, like things like ketamine or mushrooms or things that don't have any, you're not hungover the next day. They're not addictive. All of um, which are completely legal, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadly. Well, it is a weird thing. Once you do start having a broad level of experiential personal data with these other drugs, you're like, man, these are really good and they really open you up and, you know, make you a kinder, more loving person, more connected to the earth. Um, there's no bad side effects. You don't make bad decisions. And then you look at the entire industry around alcohol, how it's legal, how everyone does it, um, how that is like the most accepted drug is one of the worst for humans. It's addictive as well. Oh, it's totally addictive. Yeah. 
So I think the government has it all a little bit backwards. But it's not just the government. I mean, it's everywhere. It's all around. But it's one of the oldest. Like, they've been, you know, chimps have been getting drunk off fermented fruits since the beginning of time. Well, it's one of the easiest to make, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess, and to distribute. And, uh, but, you know, I know now so many people in the psychonaut community that, I mean, some drink, but I would say more than half don't at all they just kind of gave it up and again it's not like a willpower thing they're just like ah just don't want to just don't want to yeah and they're not saying in the kind of any elitist way like better than you or more conscious more evolved or anything like that just like ah not for me yeah and it's quite nice it's really good and so you know now i don't know it's almost about a half a year later i'm still feeling very serene and i think a lot of that stuff is um, stuck with me. Uh, I notice I'm not, uh, I think everyone has triggers they're aware of and stuff they're not aware of. Mm-hmm. I probably had some that I was not aware of, but none of that stuff bothers me anymore. So they're no longer triggers. Yeah. Um, cause I've had a lot of bad shit happen since then. Like, and I haven't been triggered into it. I've been like, Oh my gosh, I could use it whiskey or something so you don't think so you think that the effects of this haven't worn like they haven't ebbed as no no they haven't diminished at all yeah uh yes or the next chapter and you know i stay in contact with claire i talk to her every week or so and um she's actually interested in coming out here to new zealand to possibly start an ibogaine clinic out Mm -hmm. here uh which would be pretty cool Mm. And um, I ask her about other kinds of drugs because there's always new drugs out that my friends are doing or whatever. Like, like I had a bunch of friends in LA that were doing something called kratom or kratom, which they sell in like health food stores and stuff like that. And we heard her saying, "Yeah, it's like really good. It's all plant based, and you know, I don't really trust these guys." <laughs> so I called her and I said, "What about kratom?" She's like, "Do not have that." She goes, "We've had to do some of the biggest kratom." Um, detoxes, it's incredibly harmful. She was like, Trey, I love you. Please don't do it. Wow. You know, you've done so much hard work. I was like, okay, Claire, you know, I just listened yeah. to her. Then I asked her about other things. She goes, yeah, that's fine. She goes, you know, your opioid receptors are now clean, wide open. She goes, but maybe just do about half as much as everybody else when it comes to other substances. Interesting. Um, yeah, like, um, so she's been a really great resource. It's nice to continue to talk to her and and hear stuff because you know she's seen it all mm. and um yeah so i'm feeling i'm feeling great i would recommend it to ayahuasca i would not peer pressure people into i wouldn't peer pressure people into anything really <laughs> I or highly recommend it but i would highly recommend a boca even to people that are well and have not having any I think everyone has a few problems in their life. Of course. But even if you're not addicted to any substances, I still recommend it. It's just like such an interesting experience and um, it makes life easier. And it is just a natural substance out there that our ancestors have used for tens of thousands of years and mm. kind of lost touch with it as life goes on, you know. So fascinating. Yeah. I did have a question and I've completely forgotten it. You can ask me. <laughs> subsequent episode was it a question about the season finale of white lotus oh gosh 
I, what did you uh, think of season two? Well, I, oh, dis- no, I know what I disliked it as much as season one. However, I did watch the whole thing. Is it a hate to see love? What though? happened? Is it a hate love situation? Or it's you a just... hate like. Um, I still think all the characters are incredibly one-dimensional with very obvious arcs. Um, uh, spoiler alert! Of course, I was sad that Jennifer Coolidge died. <laughs> the the thunk as your body hit the boat. I just couldn't. Yeah. Like, yeah. I will, that noise, that sound will stay with me. I was yeah. Like, oh, no. That was a bad decision to try to climb into that I boat. Know, I mean, sh- that's so her, right? But Dipsy yeah. and like, she could have gone off the back there. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I swam around. But she's di- Surely yeah, she'd float. Dipsy. I, with the, the whole problem I had with that whole subplot with those gay people is it was all completely unnecessary. Yes, they wanted to steal her money. Right, yes, but they also couldn't have just suddenly come along and then her disappear. Yeah, but they could have taken her out to their little gay House. chalet. Yeah, and on because it was like a long boat ride, a couple hours. Yeah, they could have had that Mario dude take her out on a little motorboat and drown her. But they were giving like, her oh, like a last hurrah. Because also the Greg. But why? Greg, why would you give someone you're about to because murder a hurrah? Because it's still the wife of. They're just being nice gay murderers. Yeah, they are. Somehow make themselves feel better, they, assuage some of their to, guilt. The ruse hit by to, taking um, her to the opera. Yeah, yeah. I don't buy it. I don't. It did make for good TV, <laughs> especially when she was partying and she got but all coked up. They also had up. to get Porsche. They had to get Porsche in. They could have um, done that anyway. They had to separate them off. Well, no, because otherwise they would have had to kill both of them. Well, and but they would have been too suspicious. But they could have just got Portia, you know, drunk and partying with that idiot English guy on the boat while while the mom, while Jennifer Coolidge, like, goes off Mario on a little motorboat to see something and then accidentally dies. And then yeah. they would have come back and Portia goes, oh my gosh, what a terrible accident. It's so bad. They're like, yeah, it's tragic. And they could have just dropped off Portia. Yeah. But instead they kill her right by the resort. Yeah, I don't, I mean, it wasn't... Yeah, I know what you mm-hmm. mean, but I still really, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And you still like that Harper gal? She's so, like, m- Mitch, bit- bitchy and moody. I just thought she was quite cool. Yeah. yeah. I don't like bitchy and moody oh, I don't, I don't, people. <laughs> no, I don't like Or even watching them. I thought she's a good character. I thought she was good. Yeah. Her facials were awesome. She's always, like, suspicious. But, um... That was all weird, the two couples, just... Yeah. And then, obviously, you know, the, the happy, clappy couple. Oh, what are their names again? I don't remember. I can't remember them. But I thought that was quite fun, how they were, like, supposedly, like, the loved-up couple, but really they were... Just faking it. Yeah. Yeah, it was all kid, a charade. The kid, the kid was the trainer's kid. And all, yeah. All that stuff, which was probably a bit predictable. Yeah. i tell you who I did love. The two the whores. Yeah. <laughs> the two whore women. Yeah. That just run around tricking men. Yeah. Oh, they were funny. I think it's you just, know, I delightful. love Italy. I love Italy and I love, so I just felt like, I don't know, it just was set in the best place. So that's mm. why I think I just loved it from the beginning, but <laughs> I'm easier to please <laughs> than you, Trey, obviously. Gays and whores, just <laughs> Italian, all your, Italian gays all, and whores, all your gutter yes. people. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Always at rock bottom, you are. Yeah. I 
like it. It makes you feel slightly better about yeah, your slightly evolved it. life. Yeah, you're so cerebral. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was going to say? Uh, I think there's season three. They've left it open to mm. season three. Well, Jennifer could come back because it could be a prequel. She definitely died. Well, I know she died, her. but it could be a prequel. It As could in, like, be what happened in between. Yes, because we don't really know the full story of her husband and what went wrong there. We kind of had to connect the dots, but people love her so much. So, the husband mm-hmm. is he the the lover of the British guy? Who, oh, the British they, gay guy. Yeah, because remember, yeah, he said that he. The, the only person he's ever loved was the cowboy, the, the American uh-huh. cowboy he met. Mm. And I feel like that was Greg, the husband. It, or were they just friends? The first husband. Oh. Wait, was this the older guy that she met that was coughing all the time? Coughing all the time? Yeah, he was a oh, sickly. Yes. Well, yeah, in the first season. Yeah. Yeah, so her husband. She, and they yeah. ended up marrying. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he was and then they the were despising season. each other in the second season. Yeah, and, and then he was to... on the phone and saying, I love you. Yeah. Was it to another lady somewhere else? Or was it to... Um... We don't know. But, but I they, just... they knew each other because they were in the photo. Yeah, they were in the photo. So I feel like they might have been, I think... Perhaps, he... but I didn't get any gay vibes. My gaydar didn't go off for that guy at all. For Greg. Yeah. No, I think maybe they were just acquaintances that worked together, but the British Two uncle used to like had like had right. fallen in love with him, and it was unrequited. So they're playing the long game to weasel people out of money, just like those two. Horse. Well, I think maybe he just was like, "Can you help me?" And I think because it was his idea to go to Italy uh-huh. for the for that oh, holiday, Greg's right. idea. So he orchestrated all of that from the beginning because he realized because obviously there was the prenup. Yeah. You know how YouTube has these explainer videos for episodes? Have you seen these? No, I haven't. Oh, well, I, I advise, like, if you ever watch a show that's a little bit complicated, people on YouTube do these explainer episodes where they mm. break it apart and explain everything that happened. I think you yeah. and I could make an explainer episode for each episode where we don't really explain anything. All we do is confuse people more. Not quite sure. Wasn't really paying attention. Just, yeah. Probably. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, yeah. There's a lot going on in there. Like a lot of people didn't pick up on the photo. You know. No, I think you're the one told me about that. Yeah, but and they did a really good job. They actually looked. I mean, obviously tech these days is great. So, but I was like, oh, that's really like they were the young versions of themselves. And but she she should have been like smelled a rat bit earlier. That was just like yeah. But she's a little ditzy, wasn't she? Yeah, she. Well, she was on cocaine, and also, which, is, why which they... makes you sharper. It doesn't make you more ditzy. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why, why would they take her into... That was the part I didn't agree uh-huh. with. It was a stupid part of the plot. Uh-huh. They took her into the room where that photo was. Well, they probably they could have. There were a million other rooms in there. They thing. didn't think about it. Because that was going to be the drug room where she gets coked up and hooks up with that hot Italian, Italian dude. Italian mafioso. With the cum gutter abs. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Jesus. It's like the young hot Jesus up on the cross. Oh, okay. Right? Too far. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> Too much. And they're so anti-gay in the church, but they just put like a hot Jesus up there okay. for you to stare at all. <laughs> I might want to delete that part. Oh, we'll leave it in there. The church knows what I'm talking about. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah. So, would you watch season three, or would you... Yeah, I would, I would watch yeah, it. Yeah, you would. See, you would. Uh, I'd definitely watch it if Jennifer's back in it. I don't think she'll be in 
But did you know that White Lotus single-handedly resurrected her career? Yeah. And she said her neighbours have now started talking to her. <laughs> she was so funny. I heard her, I don't know if it was the Emmy speech or Golden Globe speech, but gosh, she's, she's so funny. She's funny, hey? She's great. She'll always be Stifler's mom to me, though. <laughs> like, she, that's... Her two other favorite roles for me is one people know about. She was in Best in Show. Mm, don't Have you one. not seen that one? No. Oh, it is fantastic. Um, it's a Christopher Guest movie. He did Mighty Wind. He did Spinal Tap. Oh, yeah. And a few other shows. And he kind of uses the same cast of characters. It's a hilarious one Best in show. Um, about this group of 10 people, a little bit like... Um, white lotus but they're all like dog lovers and they're they compete in these dog shows oh yeah um yes and she plays a younger woman who's in love with this octogenarian um and she ad-libs most of her lines in that it's a fantastic hilarious movie and then the other one which almost nobody has seen but one of my favorite movies and you know jermaine clement from fire of the concourse yes Yes. He's one of my favorites. Yes, mine too. And, and I heard him it. in an interview, and they asked him, like, what is your favorite movie, your favorite role? And he goes, well, it was the role I played in Gentleman Broncos. Hmm. And she's in that. Gentleman Broncos. Gentleman Broncos. It's great. It's from the same director that did Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, awesome. And this is his only other oh, movie. Oh, hang on. I feel like maybe I have seen This was a while ago, right? So, yeah, so it's a coming-of-age movie. And Jemaine mm. Clement plays a sci-fi writer that designs his own book covers. Okay. And he's Not got a... Yeah. He puts on quite the hilarious accent. Anyway, I recommend those two. Jennifer Courage. I can imagine those two together would be... Because they're both quite droll... Yeah, I don't really think they interact much in the, in the oh, show, right. but they both star in it heavily. He's got the best comedic timing. God, Have you seen Eagle so vs. Shark? That's yes. a classic Kiwi. Of course. Yeah, so many people <laughs> recommended it to me. Go, well, it's got a stupid name, but I finally got around to watching it. I liked it. It was good, huh? Yeah. Very Kiwi movie. Meaty boy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Meaty boy. <laughs> um, okay, well, we really uh, went down a... <laughs> Going down a, a lateral rabbit hole there. <laughs> but thank you again, Harriet. You're always a You're delight. Welcome. Next one. I don't know what we'll talk about. We've got I've got a whole list of Are molecules and stories. Sweat womb. Sweat womb. The sweaty womb. Coming out of my mom's sweaty womb. <laughs> like womb room, but a womb. <laughs> uh yeah, we could do that one. That one's pretty interesting. Um, man, we just got, we got a lot. And I've got some new experiences planned ahead of me as well. Incredible. Yeah. Never, never I love dull living moment. vicariously here. <laughs> I think of all of the ones we've spoken about so far, that Aboga is probably the one I would most do. Mm. Yeah. God, yeah. I, I'm so excited to be when you finally try one of these things. I would just love to hear your experiences. Just, I don't know if I'll ever do it, but you know. Yeah. I'm slowly breaking you I'm down. I'm 50% there. Piece by piece. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Tell all your friends. Give us a five-star rating. All that jazz. Um, very niche audience here. But uh, it'll slowly grow over time here. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone. Ciao, Bella. Ciao, Bella. Italian ending there. I want to thank everyone out there that makes this pod possible. I also want to thank the great Sam Wave for his music and sound. Check out our new fractal company at 
www.themachineelf.com. There's a dash between the machine and elf, so two dashes there. Last, I want to thank Stu Davidson, my Scottish superman, for doing all the engineering and support. I don't care what everyone else is saying, but I think you're the best, Stu. 